Let's bow our hearts in prayer. Almighty God and Heavenly Father, as we bow before your throne of grace, we acknowledge that we come not on our own, but we come washed in the blood of your Son, Jesus, and covered in his righteousness, O Lord. And we give you all the glory, the honor, and the praise. Lord, we acknowledge also that we are sinners and that we are in constant need of your forgiveness. And we ask that you forgive us and cleanse us, O God, from all of our unrighteousness. Father God, we are asking in Jesus' name that you prepare our hearts as we listen to your word. That we will not only listen, but, O Lord, that we will put it into action in our lives. Speak to us, we pray. For we ask it in Jesus' loving name. Amen. Um, some of you know about me. Um, my name is Suleiman Muhammad. I am a Muslim convert. And um, 37 years ago, the Lord answered my prayer. And my constant prayer to, to God, not in Jesus' name at that time, but my constant prayer to God as a Muslim, that God will show me the right way. Not knowing that in the Bible, he tells us, if you seek me, you shall what? Find me. And God answered my prayer one day. I was driving my sports car on the 401 up to Trenton. And I wanted to see if my sports car in the hospital that I had my first encounter with the Lord. I later on, the Lord brought me to know him and I gave my life to the Lord Jesus Christ. And I said, hallelujah, praise the Lord, I'm going to heaven. But the Lord said to me, your walk now begins with me. And I did not realize what the Lord was saying to me. You see, my wife was from a Hindu background. And Hindus and Muslims do not mix. They do not get married. But she was my high school sweetheart. So she also came to know the Lord. And the Lord spoke to both of us that he wants to use us to reach the world. And Brother Vijit asked me to share a little bit about what we do. We are called the Mississauga Prayer Group. It's called MPG, but I'm going to be changing it from MPG, which is a Mississauga prayer group, to the Mohammeds proclaiming the gospel. It's the same thing, MPG. We are not an organization. We are a family who is using our own resources to reach the world. And we do all of this by faith. Now, what I'm going to share with you, some of you will not believe it. But we have a God who does the impossible. We just got to trust him faithfully. Trust him. We started out that we wanted to reach 1,000 homes in Mississauga. When we reached that 1,000 home, the Lord says, uh -uh -uh. we want you to reach all of Mississauga. And uh, some of you are here, were helping us. We went door to door every other week, and we reached every home in Mississauga with one of the Jesus packet. 
And the Lord said, you do not stop. That's not where I want you to stop. Because we have, you have reached your Jerusalem. Now we have to go to Judea. So our next door city was Judea for us. Because you remember he tells us in Acts 1.8. Listen to what this is in Acts 1.8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit come on you. And you will be my witness in Jerusalem. And in all, in all of Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So we finished our Jerusalem, and we went to our Judea, which is Brampton. And we are just about to finish Brampton. And then the Lord says, then you have to go to Samaria, which is Toronto. <laughs> and would you know that we are about half or more than half finished Toronto. We go door to door and put one of these, the Life of Jesus DVD packet into every home. But that's not all. Our friends in the United States, they heard what we are doing and they're hearing how much people are coming to know the Lord. And my friend, my pastor friend from Dillon, Florida called me and he says, Solomon, can we do the same thing in Dillon, Florida that you're doing in Mississauga and the other cities? I said, say no more, we are coming. So I brought in a team from South America and a team from Canada, and we went to do Dillon, Florida. In one day, 26 people came to know the Lord on the streets. And the pastor have it on YouTube. If you go and look at his YouTube, he will tell you how much people are coming to his church because of this DVD that we're putting into every home. So we reached the entire city of Dillon, Florida. When Orlando heard, Orlando said to me, Solomon, why can't we not do Orlando also? Do the same. I said, say no more. We're coming. So I brought a team and we went. And we did every home in Orlando. When Christ for all people heard what is happening, Christ for all people is stationed, uh, had, have, their, have their head office in uh, South Carolina. When they heard what is happening in, in Florida, they said, Solomon, we want to take this and run with it. Would you allow us? I said, say no more, you go ahead. We will help you. Now, are you ready for this? We are presently doing 60 million homes in the United States. We are presently replicating, we are about halfway through the 60 million of DVDs in United, just for United States. About three months ago, I got back from Zimbabwe, South Africa, uh, in Africa. You know why I went there? I went there to meet with key leaders from the African countries. You know why? Because we are going to be saturating all of Africa. We are already working in Africa, in Malawi, in Nigeria, in Ghana. I got 300,000 DVDs ready to be shipped to Africa. 25,000 going to each nation. But listen what God is doing. God has laid upon my heart, my heart cry 
My cry before the Lord each day is to use me to reach every home in this world. We are not an organization. We are just a family. But if we are faithful enough, God will use us to do mighty things for his glory. Not for our glory, for his glory. In March, I will be in Bombay. You know why? You got, we got over 3,000 plus pastors are waiting and willing to saturate all of India. And not only India, they said they're going to be doing Nepal, Sri Lanka, and Bangladesh. You know how much people are at? About 1.4 billion people we are looking at. Yes. And it's all done from my home here in Mississauga, about less than 10 minutes away. This is what we do. We are called the Mississauga Prayer Group. We are into South America, into the West Indies. We are about to cover all of the West Indies already. We are in South America. We are in Central America. We are in Europe. We are presently, for the last four years, been reaching out to 181 million Muslims in Pakistan. I was a missionary in Pakistan. This is what we do as a Mississauga prayer group. And we do it all by faith. I always believe, and I will never change, that if he calls you to do something, then you've got to be faithful in doing it. He will provide everything that is needed. But we have to be faithful. I do not get one pay, penny pay for what I do. I've been retired for uh, 15 years. Oh, by the way, I am a senior citizen, 67 years old. And I go almost every day into Toronto at 6 o'clock in the morning. And I walk for sometimes 3 to 4 hours with my friends. We go door to door. Sometimes we reach 1,000 homes in 4 hours. Sometimes 700 homes, depends on how many stairs we have to climb to put these packets into the homes, to tell them how much Jesus loved them. So this is what we do. This is our ministry. My heart cry is to reach the lost. And I say to the Lord, Wherever the door you open, whatever country the door you open, I will go. It doesn't matter. When he called me to go to Pakistan as a missionary, my last name is Mohammed. And you know Pakistan is what? <laughs> a Muslim country. And I'm going there as a Christian missionary worker. If you have any understanding of what the Quran teaches. The Quran teaches, it's called the law of the apostate. Anyone who takes my life, because I have turned my back on Islam, anyone who takes my life have straight entrance into heaven. And the Lord is asking me to go to Pakistan. But I have to be faithful. And you know what happened? In one year, over 2,000 Muslims came to know the Lord. And today we are reaching millions in Pakistan. So this is what we do as Mississauga Prayer Group. 
or you can say the Muhammad's proclaiming the gospel. Now, I was asked to bring a message. And if you have your Bible, if you can open it to Acts, uh, to um, 1 John 2, 28. If you look at the entire context of the passage, this passage is speaking to you and I who are believers. Okay? But the key verse from this passage that I want to bring before you to expound is this. Listen to what it says carefully. And I am asking, pay careful attention to the, to the verses that I will be presenting before you. Because it will ask us some very, very deep questions for us to think about. 1 John 2.28, it says, And now, dear children, continue in him, so that when he appears, we may be confident and unashamed before him at his coming. Let me read it again. And now, dear children, continue in him, so that when he appears, we may be confident and unashamed before him at his coming. This is speaking about Christians. You and I who are children of God. Do you know that it is computed in the New Testament that there is over 300 direct references to the second coming of our Lord Jesus Christ? Just in the New Testament. That means in every 25 verses, there is one mention of the Lord Jesus Christ coming from Matthew to Revelation. Even the most casual reader of the New Testament, therefore, must be impressed with the frequent mentioning of the glorious truth of the return of our loving Savior. He's coming again. Are we ready for him? There are two clear references in this verse, in verses uh, 1 John 2.28, of our Lord's second coming. And they are indicated by the word, when he appears, and also in the word, at his coming. Listen to this. To the early Christians, when they knew about the Lord will be coming again, they believed this. And because they believe it, listen to what happened. It colored all of their thinking. It altered their lifestyle. It inspired their serving because they knew that the Lord Jesus Christ, their Savior, is coming again. This should be the same for you and for I. But is it? Do we give any thought to his second coming? And he says, and now dear children, continuing him, so that when he appears, we may be confident and unashamed before him at his coming. So when he comes, there will be two classes of people. There will be the Believers, and they will be the unbelievers. But for the believers, there will be two classes. And I will 
flesh that out for you as we get further in the study here, in the message. The second coming of Christ means sudden division, a separation between the saved and the unsaved. For the saved, it will mean glory for you and I. But for the unsaved, it will mean gloom, destruction. In Matthew 25, 1 to 13, listen to what it says. This is the parable of the ten virgins. At that time, the kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. The foolish one took their lamps but did not take any oil with them. The wise, however, took oil in jars along with their lamps. The bridegroom was, long, was a long time in coming, and they all become drowsy and fell asleep. At midnight, the cry rang out, Here is the bridegroom. Come out to meet him. Then all the virgins wake up and trim their lamps. The foolish one said to the wise, Give us some oil. Our lamp is going out. No, they replied. There may not be enough for both of us and you. Instead, go to those who sell the oil and buy, and buy some for yourselves. But while they were on their way to buy oil, the bridegroom arrived. The bridegroom arrived. The virgin who were ready went in with him to the wedding banquet, and the door was shut. Later, the other also came. Sir, sir, they said, open the door for us. But he replied, truly, I tell you, I don't know you. Therefore, keep watch, because you do not know the day or the hour. And then also in Luke 17, 34 to 35. I tell you, on that night, two people will be in bed, a husband and wife. One will be taken away, the other left. Two women will be grinding grain together. One will be taken, the other left. Separation, believers and believers. First Thessalonians 4, 13 to 18. Brothers and sisters, we do not want you to be uninformed about those who sleep in death, so that you do not grieve like the rest who have no hope. We believe that Jesus died and rose again, and so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him, according to the Lord's word. We tell you that we who are still alive, who are left till the coming of the Lord, will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangels, with the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. After that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. And it goes on. If you take time to meditate in the word of God, there will be a division. The unsaved and the saved. But the message in 1 John 2.28, however, is this. 
there will be two classes of Christian. Listen up. There will be two classes of Christian who will meet the Lord when he comes. There will be those who will have confidence when the Lord comes. And there will be those who will be ashamed at his coming. When our Lord Jesus comes, some Christian will meet the Lord with boldness. But there will be others who will, to a greater or lesser degree, shrink away in shame. Why? It is important for us to notice also that there is no suggestion here that any Christian will not be saved on that day. This is not what this passage is saying. Our salvation is absolutely secure in the Lord Jesus Christ. But it is possible, hear me, for Christians to live disciplined lives or careless lives. For Christians to abide in Christ or not to abide in him. And it will be according to the way in which you and I live and labor for the Lord that we will either receive an abundant entrance into his presence or we will be saved by escaping by the fire. Listen to what it says in 1 Corinthians 3, 11 to 15. For no one can lay a foundation other than the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. Any man builds on this foundation using gold, silver, costly stone, wood, hay, or straw. His work will be shown for what it is because the day will bring it to light. It will be revealed with fire. And fire will test the quality of each man's work. If what he has built survive, he will receive his reward. If it is burnt up, he will suffer loss. For he himself will be saved. Listen to this. For he himself will be saved, but only as one escaping through the flames. Now, let us consider some of the possible things that could cause you and I to be ashamed before our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ at his second coming. One. Any unconfessed, unforgiven, and uncleansed sin will cause us to be ashamed before the Lord at his coming. You hear that? Is there in our heart any sin against God? Listen to what it says in Psalm 51 verse 4. Against you and only you have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. So that you are proved right when you speak, and justify when you judge. Is there any sin in our life against God? Is there any sin that we are harboring? Psalm 66, 18 says, If I have cherished sin in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. But God has surely listened and heard my voice in prayer. When we pray, is our prayer being answered? We need to ask ourselves why our prayer is not being answered. This could be one of the reasons because we're harboring sin. 
Is there any sin that we are covering up and are unwilling to forgive, for, to forsake? Proverbs 28, 13 says, He who conceals his sin does not prosper, but whosoever confesses and renounces them finds mercy. Are we covering up sins in our life? Are we unwilling to forsake them? Is there any sin in our life that is unconfessed, that we know and willingly not confess it to God? Because it tells us in 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us and cleanse us and purify us from all unrighteousness. Are we confessing our sins before the Lord? Is there any sin that is not cleansed away? Listen to what it says in 1 John 1.7. If we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus his Son purifies us from all sin. This last verse assumes that there is a perfect present cleansing from every sin in our life. But God's condition is this. Are we walking in the light? It is only as we walk in the light, as he is in the light, that we rejoice in the wonderful truth that the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies from all sins. Are we walking in the light? To walk in the light means to walk in obedience to the Lord and to abide in him. Are we walking in obedience to him? Are we abiding in him? Think about it. Listen to what it says in 1 John 2.1. My dear children... I write this to you so that you will not sin. For we have one who speaks to the Father in our defense, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. So if there is sin in our life, we need to get ourselves right with him. The second point is this. Any careless neglect of his word will cause us to be ashamed before the Lord at his coming. You know, before I came to church, I went twice before the marriage to comb my hair to make sure my hair is good so I'll be presentable before you guys. But I had to do it in front of the mirror. And the reason I said that is because God's word acts as a mirror. And the more time we will spend in God's word, the more it will drive us to our knees in prayer. Because the word of God will show things in our life that we need to get right. To make right with God. You know, I have disciplined myself for over 30 plus years that I get up at 4, 4.30 in the morning. You know why? To spend time in his word. 
I do this every day for three hour, two to three hours. And, and when I finish my time with the Lord, now I forget to mention this, another ministry that I'm involved in. And all of us here, if I, if I ask you, do you have a cell phone? Do you, are you on Facebook? Do you use email? All of us will say, yes. I use it too. But do you know why I use it? Each day, I reach millions, between 10 to 30 million people every day using technology. And just this morning, one man gave his life. He says, I repent. Because this outreach that I'm doing through using Facebook. Some group have 5 million members. And they allow me, Muslim groups, they allow me to go and place, put the salvation messages, the Bible messages on their timeline. So all of their members are reaching and you will not believe the responses. I go, I wake up at 4, 4, 4.30 in the morning and I hit the sack at 11.30 at night. Sunday, 12.30 at night. You know why? Because of this. The responses, I got to keep up with. So much. What is our, how much time do we spend in the Word of God? Do we set aside quality time to spend in the Word of God? It is important that we as Christians seek to know the commandments of the Lord in order that we may prove our love to Him by keeping them. Listen. I use this example many times in many churches. I was born and raised in Guyana. At the age of 17, I came to, uh, to Canada. In Guyana, South America, one of the things that I loved to do when I was a kid was to climb up the coconut trees to get the coconuts. I loved doing that as a young kid. But when I'm climbing up the coconut trees and I see the dry branches, okay, and if you, if you see the dry branches, the leaves are folded, I'm very, very careful. You know why? Because if you open the dry leaves that are folded, there is caterpillars in it. And you don't want the caterpillar, we don't want the caterpillars to sting us. But do you know what color is the caterpillar? The color of the caterpillar is because they are, they are chewing on the dry leaves, right? The color is brown. It mimics the chlorophyll system within its body, mimics the color of the leaves that it's chewing on. But if I climb further and I see the green leaves, right? And the green leaves are folded, and if you open it, you will see the caterpillar. And guess what color the caterpillars are? Green. You know why? It's chewing on the green leaf. Likewise, you and I, the more time we spend in God's word, the more we chew on God's word, the more we become like our Lord Jesus Christ. We have his heart, his eyes. When we see the, the, the unsafe, we, our hearts will ache for them. How much time do we spend in God's word? If we do not spend time in God's word, listen to me. We will act according to our own standard in life. We will act 
toward the standards of this world. Instead, according to God's revealed will that is in his word for us. How important is it then for us as Christians to read and meditate and study our Bible daily? Do we? Listen to what it says in 1 John 2, 3 and 5. We know that we have come to know him if we obey his commands. Listen carefully to what, what these verses are saying. The man who say, I know him, but does not do what he commands is a liar. And the truth is not in him. But if anyone obey his word, God loves is truly made complete in him. This is how we know we are in him. If we say we love him, are we being obedient to him? And Luke 6.46 says, Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? All of us, Lord Jesus, praise the Lord Jesus, praise the Lord. But do we do what he says? Are we following his command that is written in his word? If we would be ashamed before him at his coming, then let us be careful to read, study, know, and keep his commands. 1 John 3, 21-22 says, Dear friends, if our hearts do not condemn us, we have confidence before God and receive from him anything we ask. Our prayer will be answered because we obey his commands and do what pleases him. The third point is this. Any mere, mere outward profession of faith in Christ would cause us to be ashamed before the Lord at his coming. Listen to what it tells us in Matthew 15, 8. These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Can any one of us escape from this searching condemnation of this statement of our Lord Jesus Christ? Think about the hymn we sang this morning and the songs we sang. Do we really pay attention to the lyrics? To the words we utter? Think about it. When the Lord comes, there will be no place for formality or mere outward profession. There will be certainly be no place for hypocrisy. We must get rid of hypocrisy now if we will be unashamed before him at his coming. The fourth point. Any spiritual lukewarmness or backsliding would cause us to be ashamed before the Lord at his coming. There are two kinds of backsliding. That which is open and that which is secret. The first is quickly observed by our families and friends. And probably seen by the fact that 
we grow cold in our love for our Savior. How is your love? How is my love for our Savior? Is it lukewarm? Is it cold? Or is it on fire? Revelation 2, 4. This is God's word to the church in Ephesus. He says to the church in Ephesus, Yet I hold this against you. You have forsaken your first love. Our love grow cold for the Savior. We get slack in, in attending church. Hebrew 10.25 said, listen to what he says. Let us not give up in meeting together as some are in the habits of doing. But let us encourage one another. And all the more as you see the day approaching. My wife and I, we have a bit of an argument over this one here. Because my heart is so taken up with reaching the last. And because the church is not doing what the church is supposed to do to reach the last, so I choose to go on Sunday as, part, as, a, as, a, as a part of worship to go out and reach four or five hundred home myself, by myself. I go alone. I climb the snow banks and it doesn't matter what I have to do, I will go by myself. But my wife says, but you need to go to church. Yes, but the church needs to reach out to the last also, but we are not reaching it out, reach out to the last. So I go on Sunday. Not every Sunday. But a lot of the Sundays I go. Because we need to reach the last. We lose our enthusiasm for the Lord's service. Listen to what Paul says in 2 Timothy 4.10. For Demas, because he loved this world, he deserted me and I have gone to Thessalonica. Cyrus has gone to Gal uh, Galatia and, Ty and Titus to Dalmatia. We must remember that outward backsliding always begins inwardly. If our love for our Lord Jesus Christ is cold, it will happen. Listen to what it says in Proverbs 14, 14. The faithless will be fully repaid for their ways, and the good man reward for his. If we would be ashamed before him at his, at his coming, if we would be unashamed before him at his coming, we must abide in him always. Not sometimes, but always. 1 John 2.28, again, my dear children, continue in him so that when he appears, we may be confident and unashamed before him at his coming. And John 15.7 says, if you remain in me and my word remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be given to you. And my last point is this. Any failure to represent the Lord faithfully before this world will cause us to be ashamed at his coming. 
Are we faithfully representing the Lord in this world? For myself, listen, if I go to the gas station, the cashier, the gas attendant will hear about Jesus. If I go to the bank, all the people in the bank hear about Jesus. If I'm not, not listen, I said at the beginning, some of you will not believe this. You will say, this can be. If I'm 30,000 feet in the air, in a plane, ain't nobody got anywhere else to go except you're in the plane. You can't jump out. I will share Jesus with everybody and I start with the captain and the crew and the rest. Every year, my wife and I, we go on cruises. And we enjoy our cruise. But you know what I do on the cruise? I check the map. I'm, I'm March um, 17th. We're going on a cruise. And I will check all the countries that the cruise ship will be going to. And all the language. And I will pack accordingly. To for I will reach out to every country. But not only that. When I, um, um, uh, do you know this, um, this movie star, Arnold Schwarzenegger? You know what his famous line is? I'll be back. And this is what I say to the cruise ship when I leave. I'll be back. Because you know what I do in the cruise ship? When I went to the cruise ship, I go to the desk and I says, I would like to have a room to conduct a Bible study. And every sea day, I will conduct a Bible study and they will put it in the pattern that goes to every cabin. So all the passengers know that there is a Bible study. And guess what? We get between 20 to 40 people comes out every time, every city for a Bible study. And I will conduct the Bible study. But not only that. Every day after I finish my quiet time with the Lord in the ship. I will take one deck at a time and I will reach out to every staff in that ship. I do it in the plane. I do it in the bank. I do it in, uh, in the ship. I do it in the gas station. Everywhere I go. The other day we were in a restaurant. My daughter was celebrating her 43rd birthday. And after we finish, I rushed out to my car grab those DVDs, and I call all the staff that was working at Swiss Chalet. <laughs> and I says, I got a gift for you, and they are looking at me, and I explain to them what it is, and they were so happy to receive that gift. Uh, yeah, yesterday, the day before, we were in Toronto. We did about, I think, 500 homes, two of us. And the last home that I finished, I saw this guy. He works for CAA, you know, the guys who do uh, the towing and all this thing. And I saw him, and I went and rapped on his door, in his window. And I said, I would like to give you a gift. We're giving every home a gift. And I explained to him what it was, what the gift is. And he was so taken and moved. He says, as soon as I get home, I'm going to be watching this. Listen, you and I are not safe to be silent. Hear me this. You and I are not safe to be silent. And if we are serious 
our, our Lord Jesus' last command to us in Matthew 28, 18 to 20. We ought to make that our first concern. You know what is his last command to us is? Then Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always and to the very end. We need to take this last command of our Lord Jesus Christ and make it our first concern. But do we? Are we showing him to the world? Are we concerned for the lost? In Jude, chapter 20, um, verse 23, there is only one chapter in the book of Jude. Verse 23, he says, we are called to snatch them from the fire. You know what that shows? Urgency. It is today we have to do it, not tomorrow. We are called to be the one who snatched them from the fire. We have been given the command to do it. But are we doing it? I want to share this with you. Um, every summer... In the evening time, I have, um, I have this uh, South American hammock. It has two rope on the end, and with, uh, with it, it goes like this. And I hang it in front of my garage. And I will sit there in the evening time. And this one evening, this young man came. He's an oriental guy. He came, and he was selling Bell product. And he made his presentation to me. And after he finished his presentation, I said to him, I would like to make a presentation to you. And I presented my Lord Jesus Christ to him. And I gave him a Bible and a DVD and a track, How to Know God. You want to hear what happened? <laughs> that guy today, everywhere he goes, he's sharing Christ. And he comes with me every Saturday reaching Toronto, Mississauga, and everywhere else. We have to take every opportunity to share the good news of Jesus our Lord. Andrew, Simon Peter, brother, when he found the Lord Jesus Christ, he went and found his brother Simon and brought him to Jesus. And we know today, Simon Peter is what? In the Bible it says, he was a rock. Nathaniel did the same thing. Philip, 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 I mean, Philip went and found Nathaniel and brought him to the Lord. How wonderful it will be when we see him, that is Jesus our Lord. They are fa families and friends and loved ones. Also in his presence. And they are there because of you. Because of me. We took the time to share the love of Jesus with them. When my wife and I came to know the Lord Jesus Christ, we started with our family. My wife, 
all of her family have come to know the Lord. My side, some family members. Muslims are much more tougher, but we continue to pray. My father-in-law, he was 93 years old when he called and he says, I am ready to give my life to the Lord Jesus Christ. And we call all the kids and grandkids and we led them to the Lord and we baptized him. 94 years old, we never give up. And I close with this. And listen to this carefully. This is taken from Ezekiel chapter 3. If you have a time to read the entire chapter, read it. But listen to this passage from Ezekiel chapter 3, 16 to 19. In this passage, Ezekiel's task is as a watchman. The same with us. We are called to be watchmen. And listen to what God says to Ezekiel. At the end of the seven days, the word of the Lord came to me. Son of man, I have made you a watchman for the children of Israel. So hear the word I speak and give them warning for me. When I say to a wicked person, you will surely die. And you do not warn them. Let me read that again. And you do not warn them or speak out to distort them from their evil ways in order to save their life. That wicked person will die for their sin. And listen to what God says to Ezekiel. And I will hold you accountable for his blood. But if you do warn the wicked person and they do not turn from their wicked ways, from their evil ways, they will die for their sins, but you would have saved yourself. You hear what that passage is saying? We are not safe to be silent. We ought to take the last command of our Lord Jesus Christ and make it our first concern. And we need to share the good news. We need to snatch people from the fire. And if we do not do this, we will be held accountable. He will ask us on that day, why didn't you? Why didn't you talk to your family members? Why didn't you not talk to your co-workers? Why didn't you not go out and help Solomon put the DVDs into these homes? So people can come to know. He will ask us. The question is, are we willing? This message, I close with it. This message at once is glorious and sad. It is glorious because it reminds us of the imminent return of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Hallelujah. Our God is coming again. It is sad because it reminds us that we must be prepared for his coming so that when he comes, he does not find us careless, thoughtless, and out of touch with him, but ready to meet him and to greet him and to be ashamed, unashamed before him. So my question to you and to me is this. Are we going to be ashamed or unashamed at his coming?
He says, if you love me, you will obey my commands. Think about it, friend. I have to, I have to take this into consideration myself when I first come to know the Lord. When he called me to go to Pakistan to be a missionary, I know my life will be in danger. Am I going to be obedient to him? I have a high-paying job. I travel across Canada, United States, installing computer system and doing programming. I was making what I was making 30 plus years ago. Today they are making it for their salary. My Christmas bonus usually be $10,000. When people usually get a turkey or, 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 or $100 for Christmas bonus. But I have to give it up. I have to be obedient to his command and give it all up, sell everything I have, took my, take my wife and my three kids and head to Pakistan where I know my life is in danger. Are we willing? Think about it. How serious are we about our walk with the Lord? Let's pray. Almighty God and Heavenly Father, we are thankful that you are such a loving, merciful, compassionate, and forgiving God. And Heavenly Father, we come asking in the name of Jesus that you will help us, each one of us, O oh God, that we will take seriously our walk with you. That we will not be willing to be pampered Christians on Sunday only. But we will take your word seriously and apply it in our lives. We are asking that your Holy Spirit will lead and guide us. We are asking, oh God, that you will help us to be, be obedient to you. Not only to give lip service, but from our heart, love you with all of our mind, body, soul, and spirit. And to love our neighbor as ourselves to go out and share the good news with them. Father, we pray your blessing upon each one of us and our families. Keep us safe through this day. And I ask in Jesus' name that you will use us all mightily for your glory and your honor. For we ask it in Jesus' loving name. Amen.